Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 124. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. It's video game time. That's right. That's right, it is. We're here at the end of the year of JRPGs. I think we have a question about it, so I don't feel like we should reflect that hardly about it right now. Uh, but we did it. We did a whole year. We played six, seven, if you count uh, speaking in. Um, yeah, I guess we did play seven JRPGs. Yeah. We did our goddamn jobs. Uh, yeah, no, our job. And that's not even counting any that one might have played in their their spare time. I think I played like four, five. I played a couple. But I got I got fifteen done this year. Um, I played Dragon Quest one and two, um, and five, and um, uh, I know I played something else. I mean, to completion. Like there are other games I've touched, right? Yeah, like I played a lot of. I I did made a good way into Final Fantasy one for NES, and then kind of got sick of it. Oh, Final Fantasy Adventure. Oh yeah, you did play Final Fantasy Adventure. You had a great That's time. That's a about. fucking good video game. Um, yeah, I played Outer Worlds I, uh, until I was no longer going to play Outer Worlds with any part of the rest of my life, which counts as finishing a game. <laughs> that does count. That the, the you and the game are finished. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, but that, you know, that that was my year of JRPGs, or RPGs, I guess, if we're going a little more broadly than that. Mm-hmm. What did you, what did you play RPG-wise this year that wasn't for the podcast? Um, well, I mean, this is only a reveal if you only listen to a normal mapping, but I've been playing a bunch of Pokemon. Oh, right. Right, right, right. You did. Um, oh, I did play, I did play, um, Shield? I think I bought Shield. You did play Shield. Uh, I, I did, yeah, I played Shield. Yeah. Yeah, because the DLC was out and then I didn't buy it. And that was this year, I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. I remember you were like, because you went to buy it and were like, wait, is it really not cheaper? Is there no bundle to get the DLC? Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll just get the game and the DLC. And that was not a bundle. Then I played the main game and I was like, maybe I'll come back to this someday. But I don't, I feel pretty full on Pokemon right now and I have not come back. I think it was, I think it was a bundle, but the bundle was technically one cent more. Oh, yeah, maybe. Because it was just the price of. Oh, and I played seven remake. You did play Seven Remake. I guess I played Integrate this year. Um, like I said, I tried to play Final Fantasy One on the NES and got up to. I played the, um... eight hours of Persona Five Royal and then uh, didn't do that. Oh, you played a bunch of fourteen. Oh yeah, I played like sixty hours of Final Fantasy Four. Eh, it was probably more like fifty or something, but of Final Fantasy Fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Did not finish. I'm at the, the end of a Realm Reborn. Yes. Um, but we've been playing. We've been playing some video games. Whether we're finishing them is, uh, you know, it is what it is. Try not to hold yourself to that that standard anymore. It's just impossible. But this month, we have to talk about what we might have played that is not for this podcast. Jackson! Well, I mean, I'd said it was Pokemon, so... All right, yeah. How's Pokemon treating you? You're playing... You played Red, right? I played Red. You can listen to The Last Voip Life on that, and you were making your way through Crystal. How's that gone? I haven't played any more Crystal, because I was playing... I was watching Caracano and then playing Moon. Um, All right, but uh, now I have crystal. But the pro- here's the problem. Here's the issue. Here's the big problem with my life is I feel like every little mapping I come with a new game that I've like started working on, and then by the time I've come to the podcast because I've spent the last uh, week or so working on the game club game, uh, the spell is broken. Right, like I was doing darkest. You need to just go back when <laughs> we're done recording. I'm normal mapping. I just this is why this is why I chip away at the game while I'm playing other stuff around the sides because then I don't have that hard break. I'm just, I'm just like, I will always be like a hyper-focused person, 
uh you know yeah you just gotta go back once you're done with the, the podcast work yeah but then i think oh what if i work on this new you know it just it, there's a reason it happened this way i'm mostly just uh accepted to it but i do i do want to go back to like i want to finish crystal and i want to play dark souls again i don't want to i never want to play the first um area of dark souls ever again in my life yeah so just go back to it uh i want to push forward yeah that's fair I, um, what did I play? I played, like, half of Sonic Advance this past week. I'm just learning this now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I was just, this is just a thing I turned on and messed with. Um, it's, it's Sonic Advance, you know, it's fine. Um, it's weird because there's, like, a bunch of different characters, and I'm like, well, I gotta play as Sonic because he's the first character you play as, but I really just want to play as Amy with her big hammer. But that's not, like, the ideal way to play. I just like Amy more than I like Sonic. Yeah, I mean, it's still like a Sonic game, right? You want to be able to jump and go yeah. fast. Yeah. Everyone else has, like, interesting boutique mechanics uh, that affect the yeah. levels, but, you know, you want to play a damn Sonic first. Yeah, Tails is suck-ass, Knuckles can climb on things, and Amy's got a big hammer. <laughs> Tails can fly. Is a suck-ass. Yeah, I said that. Um, do you, I mean, okay, I know you don't like Tails. Um, uh-huh. Because you're a fucking criminal. Uh, but uh, in this context, do you not like Tails because just your general dislike towards tails or is tails like being slightly slower and flying have a mechanical impetus to disliking him i just think he's obnoxious that's okay all. So the thing the thing with me is i because i was a, a an avowed uh, nintendo child um my first sonic game that i wasn't just like playing at a friend's house going this isn't as good as mario in the way you did in the 90s um was sonic adventure 2 uh battle for the gamecube when the dreamcast went away and they started putting sonic games on the gamecube um, they started with Adventure 2 Battle, one of the greatest games ever made. We covered it in one more mapping. Go back to episode, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to fill it in. Um, <laughs> go to our game gallery. I just recently updated it. We merged all the game clubs. It's really nice looking right now. If you just go to the bestgame.club and check uh, Games Covered, I think, yeah, you'll get the full covered. gallery. Um, it's great. Uh, but um, the thing about Adventure Tales is that he's the obnoxious like Cousin Oliver character. He's just a little, like, he just is like the nerdy kid who kind of sucks and sounds like a baby, and I don't like him. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that that is what, like, that era of Tales is. And like, that's just always colored my perception of who Tales is. I just can't escape it. That's the gravity of my Sonic fandom. Um, I, he's Tails. He's nice. He's fine. He's fine. You're right. He's fine. It's Tails. You're going to be anti-Tails? No. Um, other than that, what have I been playing? I mean, I played some more Forts after our episode. That game's still pretty good. It's much better now that I'm not trying to, like, see everything for a podcast and it's just like, I'm just going to do some, I'm going to do some dirt races today. Uh, it's a game to chill in. It's a game to do some racing. Yeah, it is, it is a game to chill in. That's true. Halo came out. Neither of us have played it. I didn't even that play happened. the campaign, right? Because the multiplayer sucks so much. Um... And I didn't even I didn't even load it up, and um, yeah. I have instead been being get, sent links by friends who are playing it, um, and people seem to be mixed as to whether shooting things in the face with the grappling hook is any good. Um, a lot of people like it, whatever. That's not I can't speak to it. Haven't touched it. What I have done is I've been sent clips of uh, the the new writing they have for Halo, and what the fuck happened to Halo, man? It's, it, it wasn't like, like that in five, not really. No, like there was a clip of um, uh, Martha Chief talking to the new guy who's just like the normal pilot guy. You're like eyes into the world who already sucks as a character because you know he's got a wife back home and we got a. It's the most like save the cat version of we the character you can care about. Uh, yes, 
and he's like, Martha Chief, you never fail. Uh, you don't feel f- feelings like we do. And then Martha Chief's like, yes, I do. I... And then you're like, what will he say? Will he give insight here? And he says, uh, I failed when I didn't protect Cortana. And I was like, that's the one character point you've had the whole game and all the trailers and everything. I haven't even played the game and I'm sick of you going on about that. Uh, so the writing's bad. There was the um, clip of a grunt doing like comedy grunt dialogue about how... Oh yeah, John, we're afraid of a John. Why are we afraid of a John? I'm like, that's not even like... You've played all the Halos. We didn't finish five, but you've played the Halos. The grunts do some like goofy talk sometimes. They don't do that. They don't do that. No, no. They go like, wow. Oh, run yeah. away, maybe. Yeah. They're not doing skits. Yeah, I know. Uh, so it's been a lot of me uh, in the um, in the DMs going back and forth, posting Halo 2 quotes, remembering the good days, uh, remembering the Arbiter, <laughs> who is not in Halo Infinite. I, I called a shot that like two thirds in, the Arbiter would show up uh when this new cortana lady gets kidnapped um mm-hmm. and you team up to get her back and save the day because you know i know how stories work i feel like that was a pretty safe called shot he's not even in it it didn't didn't even put the arbiter in this um so waste of everyone's time i guess uh people are having fun with the game but i just like i i, I don't care anymore they sh- I, they managed to make me not care about halo so good job 343 yeah, you suck. <laughs> you suck at it. Um, and also your bad company is on fire and all your workers get laid off every 18 months because you don't actually hire them. Yeah, that's fair. Bad way to make a video game. Anyway, that's enough about that. Um, did, do you have any another thing or just Sonic Advance? No, no, I was just messing around with my Game Boy Advance. It's been... The pocket came out, so it's been uh, talking about handheld game season once again it's always talking about handheld game season for me in my heart but now someone else will do it too me and omar been going back and we agree fundamentally on our conclusion which is no one should be like us but we disagree on the road we take to get to there um well yes i i have not i have not set my sights on the pocket i'm trying not to care i have the nice screen for i understand that the the pocket does better emulation on emulation i mean that generically not the specific software emulation if you term. want to play a game boy or game boy color game you genuinely cannot do better than the pocket yes and i don't think you're ever going to be able to if you want to play a game boy advance game go somewhere else please they're charging way too much for the thing it is it also doesn't even like you know the the, the, the pixel ratio is for a game boy games yes uh, yes it's like within you know playing the uh, advanced games within a window in the screen it like it's see that's the that's the game boy and game boy color games um Yes, uh, it, it like emulates the screen really well, and I like I said, I not software emulation. I mean, in the generic definition of the term, as a yes. replication of the original Game Boy screen, uh, this is a very good version of that. By all accounts, yeah, I don't want to go on for twenty minutes about what FPGA is and why the Pocket's very good at Game Boy Color stuff in a way that uh, your IPS drop-in screens are never going to be. I just feel it in my bones. Um, and but that, it's still like a boutique device for no one should be like this just enjoy your emulators enjoy the emulators of your youth it doesn't it's i'm not going to enjoy it more than do not have the cholesterol for a game for an analog pocket <laughs> god damn it you you think you want to be out here you don't want to be out here buying <laughs> analog be out here. uh analog pockets and you know modding your ips screens and seeing whatever the fuck is going on with that it's the worst thing that ever happened to me uh, God. 
Yeah, I'm not even interested. I like I I would like if someone bought it, I'd be like, yeah, but I'm not. You know, I got that CRT to play PS2 games, and I think I'm done buying new stuff. I ordered... yeah, I just it's like it's like it's everyone's got their own weird like hole, right? Like mine just happens to be Game Boy, right? <laughs> but I I ordered like like I have a Game Boy Advance with an IPS screen, but it, I have a couple, and they're all not quite there. Some of them cut off the bottom of the screen or on the screen mod, and some of them like the um uh. The, the, the d-pad just like doesn't it drops inputs in a way that's you like just replace the d-pad yes yeah, so that's what i done in the end i was like i will order a two dollar uh riser and just mod this yeah. myself because uh, I, I i it could be an unlimited hole i just don't have that kind of money or time i just want yeah. something that can play Game Boy games i very much i i i can't imagine at some point i don't end up with a pocket but we'll see um i mean by the time you're trying to get one it might be a pocket too like because every time every years. time i go to turn on a game boy my game boy color i'm, I'm butted up against and i've got like one of the best game boy colors you can get in terms of like aftermarket mods but i'm i'm i run up against you know the weird limitations of the ips screens and the fucking sound on game boy colors is so bad um that's the real thing mm-hmm and yes, you should just emulate this on your computer. I happen to really want to play as close on real hardware as possible in bed. And so, yep, that's where we're at. Thank you. Like I said, we'll we, we all have our own because th- your thing is the sound, right? Again, um, but my thing is some of the like, screen stuff and the sound. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. like, the reason I bought the CRT is for input lag, right? I have other stupid oh, yes. things that I'm yeah. Well, I mean, about. I'm talking about Game Boy games. I'm not worried about like pixel yes. perfect input because none of the games are like that. But I mean, like, I because uh, I feel like the um, roll uh, rollback is the wrong term, but like the run ahead uh, frame skip emulation uh, on RetroArch works well for SNES games. But I'm not like trying to get SNES real hardware. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, there's that you know, there's a, the RetroArch mode where you, it can run in such a head. Like the emulator runs so fast, right, that you can run it three frames ahead and simulate your uh, action ahead of time. It means there's sometimes some rollback ask like animation bugs. Uh, but generally means that if you're playing a platformer, it'll feel really good on an LCD in a way. I've that never. SNES I doesn't. this is ma- this is like magic to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, you should try this mode on it on um, uh, like Mega Man X or something, and then you w- you will be able to tell the difference. I know you don't believe me right now, but I promise you, you will. But that that works so well that I like don't you know that's enough for me. I'm not here for like super accurate stuff. But you, that is too intense to run ahead on a, a PS1 game because you need like a copy. You need like the emulator running twice. And also simulating back to itself on every frame, because it's run ahead on every frame to check your input, and then put it in three frames ago. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the these are the fucking holes of stupidity. Just don't. The less you think about this, the happier you'll be. Do you remember like in 2014 when we started this? I didn't know what frame rate was. Like I vaguely knew what it was, but I couldn't. You know, I played games on PS3 and didn't care. I'm so much happier. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I I know I didn't know what frame weight technically was because I remember. Um, oh no, that part's true. But you being happier is the thing. I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. I I okay, not in general, but I I thought less about the video games that I played. I just played them. Yeah, no, that I mean, that's what we literally did a hyperbolic time chamber of you learning about video games by doing a podcast. Um, but I remember um, playing Metal Gear Solid. You can turn anyone to a gamer. Oh, that's God. that's a curse. That's a threat. <laughs> I've never said anything more dark than that. You did turn me into a gamer. I, I was playing Metal Gear Solid 4 in 2015, and I vividly remember like not understanding why, but when I was in the hotel scene 
I could tell it just like felt weird and better uh, when I switched to night vision goggles. And I had no, I was like, what's going on with that? Why does it feel so weird and cool when night vision goggles? And the reason is, uh, in that specific uh, level, if you switch to night vision goggles, it runs at 60. Um, and <laughs> everything else, it runs at like sub 30. It's not like a solid four. Uh, but I, I, I only remember that because it's an interesting moment of like, I don't have the context for that at the time. It's like the way that um, when I watched Power Rangers as a kid, I could tell when it switched to the like Japanese film stock. But I had no, mm-hmm. I had no, I didn't know what Power Rangers was and how it was filmed. I just knew that like sometimes the shot looked weird and interesting. game club this month is moon remix rpg adventure a role-playing slash adventure game uh developed by love delic uh that published 1997 for the playstation in japan it was uh directed uh i guess there's no listed director designed by kenichi nishi taro kudo and yoshiro kimura written by yoshiro kimura and taro kudo um this game famously uh, was very inspirational, despite not being in English, to uh, Toby Fox when he made Undertale. Um, after the success of Undertale, Toby Fox got this game basically released in, in English um, by saying, hey, you should do that. I think there'd be a market for it. Turns out there was, um, and so they did that. Um, also famously, didn't actually play Moon before he made Undertale. Just a, it's a game people knew about. There wasn't like a fan translation spin out for years or anything because it's a PlayStation game, not a, not a SNES game. Um, and uh, this was just a game people knew about, but it definitely influenced like the Japanese like RPG maker and independent scene. Um, Love to lick uh, specifically is a bunch of former Square Enix uh, people, or I guess SquareSoft. Um, most specifically, a lot of the people who went and did, um, who made uh, like Super Mario RPG after that left and made this. So, uh, yeah, no, if you like Google the um, people specifically, you get different credits. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, uh... But, like, Kenichi Nichi did, like, uh, Chrono Trigger before that, even. Then went on to make Incredible Crisis as next credit, so fucking Chibi Robo on here. Just making cool shit. Um... And then Taro Kudo uh, was uh, where it was listed as designer on Super Mario. Uh, was a composer on Castlevania Four um, and Castlevania X sixty eight thousand. Um, that version um, yeah. went on to be the designer of Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. That's a great fucking video game. Yep. Um, Tingles uh, <laughs> Rosie Rupee Land. That's not a good video game. But honestly, a lot like Moon. A lot like Moon. Yeah, I'm looking at this. Listen, this is like all the like weird and cool shit that Nintendo got up to in the. Uh, yeah. In the orts before uh, they stopped that. Yeah. Because, um, like, oh, here's a writer on Paper Mario the Origami King, How the Mighty Fall. Um, I mean, people like that one more than, like, the la- like Sticker Star. Sticker Star I, I, I mean, in terms of, like, Nintendo did not allow uh, their people to stretch yes. their legs in the way that, like, like, you would want to. Not that that game is bad and has bad people working on it. It's just mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo ain't putting the uh, energy into this kind of experimental stuff like they, they used to just do because they're Nintendo. Like, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, have... Jackson. Yes. Explain Moon Remix RPG Adventure. No, I won't do that. <laughs> um, I'll do my best. Uh, Moon is a um, video game uh, set inside a video game. You play as uh, a character who is just playing a game uh, on their TV, on their game station. Uh, in that game, the hero is uh, going to um, the 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 moon's been like des- uh, destroyed, and he has to go kill. It went out. It went it out. Went the moon out went they out. don't know why. The moon went out, and he has to go deal with that. And you play like twenty minutes of parody sixteen-bit RPG as you like do some actions. Uh, you uh, take a um, take some clothes from a. A pot inside a house. You um, uh, build a rainbow bridge. Uh, you um, fight a monster, which then like clones into another monster, changes form, and eventually kill it. And you reach the final boss on the moon, and it's a big dragon, and you attack it. And then your mum interrupts you and forces you to stop playing the game. Uh, at which point in the night, you are then sucked into the world of the game. Um, uh, the, the video game is called Fake Moon. The world of the game is called Real Moon. And you must... Uh, you must now discover the like real world behind the game and obviously the hero is like um not actually as nice as all that uh it is a series of uh like looks into various npcs in this uh fake rpg world uh as to how their life would be affected by living in the middle of a dragon quest um this like begins with fairly obvious jokes about when the hero came in uh to take the clothes he like ruined the shop and he um you know uh like wrecked the bar and ruined the town and stuff like that and you follow him through this game as you uh uncover the stories of the various npcs in what is essentially an adventure game uh you don't fight battles the hero is off fighting the actual rpg you are uh using um items and like clues you get from certain people to talk to other people to uh have them give you love like when you complete someone's uh like quest line uh you get given love and love allows you to stay awake longer which allows you to walk further which allows you to find more people and get more love that is the like the the mechanical like thread on which the game is kind of built um as you discover the stories of the world uh 
we find the secret plan uh, that the king and the scientists have made to send a rocket to the moon. Um, and eventually you make it to the moon yourself uh, at the end of the game. Uh, you find all the um, uh, monsters there, which you've been like, as the hero kills all the monsters, you've been putting their souls back in their bodies and they get taken back to the moon. And everyone's waiting on the moon for you. Uh, and you are destined to stop the hero and open the door of hope uh and bring life back to the world but then the hero arises uh you can't open the door and uh he kills you and kills everyone else and everyone is dead uh and then the game gives you the option to continue yes or no and you must select no because the door you are meant to open was not the door on the moon it was the door in your bedroom so you can go out into the real world and spread love free from just being in a video game and getting levels and that is the uh, very pat ending of moon and i feel like the summary is like a little um backhanded in that the joy of moon is the npcs and their like stories and interactions not really the main plot <laughs> yeah uh, but that is broadly speaking what happens in moon and how it works yeah yeah, it is a game about like just finishing the, the usually like one step character side quests that each yes. explore a different mechanic or different weird narrative. Um, there's like one about the baker um, who's, you know, you go into the baker shop and you buy bread, which gives you a little boost to your timer early on. Eventually, you really don't need it, but um, he has like a back room where he won't let you go. Um, but he goes to the bar every night, and gets drunk, and when he gets drunk, or some nights, and when he comes home drunk, he forgets to lock his door. So you can walk in um, to his bakery and go into the back room. And it turns out that the baker is a like living bread man. And every night he replaces like a new bread head comes out of the oven and becomes the new baker. And the old bread head gets sold to people to, to nourish them um, every night. <laughs> and he asks you to please keep it quiet. And that's the end of his quest line. It's great. Yes. So it's a lot of like uh, idiosyncratic stuff like that yeah um and yeah that's kind of what the game is yeah there's a kid who needs or there's a one of the castle guards has to perfect um making a paper airplane for or like a toy airplane for his son so every sunday morning you have to meet him on the balcony to help him get it a little better um and if you do that like three weeks in a row he's able to make a plane that will never land and uh you know he's happy stuff like that like yes. wrapped around the mechanics of a daily like day not only time but like day of the week system that just loops but there's no there's no like failure state other than you run out of energy and you go back to the last time you slept there's no like oh you you ruined this and you can't go back and get it like it'll just loop forever there's no hard time limit in any way no. so uh the the time limit is only there to like direct you into certain like areas it's so you don't mm -hmm. go immediately to the end of the game like within the first yeah. day um because there are like there are some like soft progression locks, but honestly, you can kind of go and do a lot of the game at any point. You just it's just a big, uh, repeating world. Yeah, but there's like the like you you find the bird who's like I've got I can take you on a trip if you want, but you got to be able to like stay awake for the eighteen or like it, it's like what a day and a half that the trip takes. Yes. Um. So like thirty six hours, and once you're that thirty six hours limit, you can go to the island and do a thing and get an item that you need to finish the game, but not until you've get enough like leveled up enough to get there. Yes. Um. But yeah, that's 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 the video game. Um, I mostly liked it. Um, it is. Uh, it's weird. Like I I I feel like I liked it less than you. You came in and were like, "Damn, this is really good." I think this game is very good. Um. And I also enjoyed it, but I was like, 
little detached from it um in ways that i'm like i you walk so slow like the mechanical things of interacting with the game are not that great which is fine it's not about that but it's it's also still 12 hours of video game um in a way that it, it just gets kind of exhausting uh i have walked through that town so i mean that's because you played it in three days so here's here's my here's my pitch here is yes this game and a lot of the really interesting playstation games specifically where frameworks were developers because cd technology allowed them to make games that were relatively cheap for like a small japanese market were making experiments that like presaged what indie games were um in a lot of ways as we think of them now but like you could kind of do whatever and this game like as square people who took their other RPGs and started to make a framework around that made a game. That's just about like sitting in an RPG world and not, not, not getting better, not progressing, just kind of like poking at the edges of this strange world. Like to me, this game is like the perfect, um, I'm trying to think of a good like example here. And the, the thing I think of is like, like when, like in the, on the 64 era, there were a lot of like rumors around stuff like, oh, you can get Luigi. The, the, the thing, the sign of the fountain, you know, uh, is like a clue on how to get Luigi or in gold knife, you look at the dam on the dam level, there's this far area. And maybe you could go there if you do this thing, just like playground rumors or whatever. And moon remix RPG adventure is a game wrapped around. Like all of those things are the game itself. It's about just, the things in other games that would become the like cheats or rumors surrounding a game are just how you progress through the game. Um, you know, you find a weird guy and you figure out his deal. And then you, once you do that thing, then you're able to like unlock another thing. And that's like it, its own reward into just like being able to push one corner out a little further and understand what it is. Um, but it doesn't feed into progression loop. It's just like a, a thing to like explore and poke at. The thing I thought of a lot was uh, Yume Nikki, which is a, I think that's an RPG maker game. Uh, it came way later. It's kind of like, it, it's like a mud, it's a very popular, it's a free game. You can just play it. And that's like a weird horror game where you're a girl who goes through these like worlds and you just swap your heads with other beings, with other things you find. And when you swap your head, you get like an ability. Um, kind of like a Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why that's the first thing I grabbed to like Kirby or whatever, but like, uh, you keep, you do these heads and it allows you to interact with the world in a different way. Like something might give you a jump or something gives you like a, like a weird psychic ability or whatever. Uh, but it's just about like exploring those spaces and seeing what you can do in there. Um, that's even less directed than moon is, um, cause you can kind of go anywhere and the game doesn't care what the fuck you do with it. But, um, moon in the framework of the RPG has that progression system, but it's much more just like you're supposed to sit with this. Like I could, I could so easily envision 97 out of been like 12 years old, loading this up every day. Um, doing like a quest being like, Oh, maybe this is how this works. Like game FAQs doesn't exist yet. Or if it does, I don't know about it. I'm barely online. Um, and you just poke at it and be like, does this work? No. Okay. Well I'll leave that and to go do something else. And then, uh, you know, play some rival schools and come back another day and poke at it. And then something gives away. Oh, I made progress. Amazing. Um, and I think those kind of games like are just kind of lost or, I've lost the capacity to play like that, but I can feel when I used to play games like that. And uh, like, that's the thing, like playing this, I'm like, this game captures that better than almost anything I've ever played. And that's like, was really special to me. Like, that's the feeling I'm like, I, a lot of games try for this, like Undertale tries this sometimes. I don't think it does a very good job. Um, Yumi Nikki's like this, but it's like a weird game with a bunch of like lore wrapped around it. That's like a weirder thing. It's a little more online and come away later, but um, Moon really captured that in a way that I'm like, this one, this one feels like it did back in the day. How I, like when I played the Tomba demo disc, uh, and Tomba's a game of, it's like a platformer, but it has a bunch of like side quests you do for villagers. Um, 
But because I was like not versed in those games, I didn't really understand what the side quest did for you. It's just sometimes people gave you stuff to do and then you figured it out and they gave you like a like a reward, but it didn't seem to really matter because also it was a demo. So I never was able to progress past the first little area. But there's a lot to do in that area. Um, it's just a different way of approaching games than we do anymore. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's just not really like like even more than the fact that I played it fairly quickly because I had to, to to finish it. Um I'm just mentally set up to play games in the way that the um, this game is like about critiquing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here to make the numbers go up and finish the fucking video games. Go, um, uh, and this game's about how that's like um, an insular uh, waste of time, right? Uh, in a way that I find like it's, it's weird. I don't think it's, I don't think it's like chiding in the way that like like uh like undertale or a lot of the like you know future indie game darlings that are about video games end up being um just because it's just like lighter than that um let's talk about the ending because i think like this is the thing is that the ending is literally a stop playing a video game go outside uh but i do think the rest of the game is actually not a not that so it's like a strange it's it's like an ending that i was like "Hmm, i don't know about this ending it feels a little pat and um it narrows the game into being like a pure genre critique and not like a game about the expressiveness of this world so the, the thing for me is like i i got all the love i 100 of the game mm-hmm. i really liked it I was having a good time thankfully there's like good resources to look stuff up because there's a couple that are very obscure i never would have figured out in time on my own um and then at that point like this always happens if you if you fully complete a game there's a point where especially with games where you don't have like a lot of documentation you have to choose to be like it's like the when do i how do i know if i'm satisfied you have to choose to be done with a video game um and at the end of this game you do all the stuff and then the game's like well you can you can you know always come back and reboot it or you can just like walk away and be done and uh the choice is not given like you can just do the thing you can just walk away and like leave the game and then you can come back some other day or whatever it doesn't matter um but you should you should leave it like you did it you did everything you have to choose to like be finished with the thing sometimes and i don't think it's like odd uh, all these dirty gamers just keep reloading their video games um, i think there's a little bit in the way that, that like undertale is i don't think even think undertale is really that i mean it literally like has systems to not allow you like once you choose to kill like you know do a genocide like that's burned into your save file forever um, uh, i think the kind of meta text that's about like the worth of video games is different to the meta text that's about the like ways in which gamers will um manipulate systems to allow them to do violence without consequence i think those are like two separate and both storied like trends in how meta text works in games I don't know how convinced I am they're that separate. Metal Solid, when it says uh, you enjoy the killing, is not a game about how like the difference between uh, the virtual world and the real world. It's about how the virtual worlds allow uh, people to like indulge in violence, and I think that's what Undertale's doing. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm being, I don't mean to be so rude about the ending. I think it is like mostly uh, enjoyable. Um, I also think, like, fundamentally, I look at this game and I'm like, the ending is like a, a like a very pat, like, 10 minutes stinger at the end when you get to the moon. And this is just from an era where, like, video game endings are just kind of tossed. Like, I don't think this game cares if you finish it or not. No. I think it's, like, a fun thing to poke at, and then it has to have an ending, so it does. And there's, like, some evocative bits, and then there's some weird pat bits, and there's, like, a bunch of lore that just kind of gets never addressed about, like, the nature of your character and anything. Um, 
because it's not really what the game's interested in. It's there if you want to poke at it, but like whatever. Finish the video game, go walk outside. With a bunch of the the part where the game ends with a bunch of like Resident Evil screens giving way to like end of Evangelion like images of the city, I think is just cool. It's it just cool. where people's heads were at in '97. I was like, uh, you say end of Evangelion, which is I guess true, but you mean like they had some digital cameras in the year yes. 1997? <laughs> well, like the credits are. The credits are, like, scenes of Japan with, like, the characters from Moon all over them. It's, like, yes. the idea that, like, by playing the game, you take... The thing The thing that matters is not that you got a level 100, uh, got to level 100 and got the sick-ass sword. It's, like, that you remember these characters and take them with you as you go on your adventures after the game is done. Because stories have to end, but people don't. Yeah, like, um, the moral is... Because you're trying to save all the characters of Moon, because all the characters of Moon, like, faded to die in this quest. And you're, like, how do I save them? And then the answer in the end is, right, like... In the in the building of the game, in the contract of the video game, they will always die, but they don't have like the the characters and the things that matter about the game don't have to exist entirely in the framework of the video game. They can be remembered mm. and discussed. You know, you can take this like really literally, and, like you can write fanfic, right? Or you can just take it more metaphoric and just you can remember things like art has a. I will remember. Impact. I will remember that I played Moon yes. and that I liked it. The little little boy running around with the hat, you know. I'll remember uh, when I got to the guys with the the Killer Seven voice, and then was like, "What the fuck is this?" And had the Killer Seven voice explained to me. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, oh, it's a Macintosh Texas speech voice that's actually very common. I was like, "Oh, I just knew it as the Killer Seven voice, one of the most iconic sounds in video games." Yeah. No, I also was like, "Oh, the Killer Seven. This must be from a sound library. It's not, not that it's way. Not, it's it's close, but yes, it's, it's yeah. not quite that." Uh, Macintosh text speech thing. Um. You go to the you go to the place where there's like the the angry Japanese guy who lives in the Japanese house doesn't want any influence from Westerners, but he lives literally like one screen over from like the white picket fence American family <laughs> whose dad is drawing like Vegeta manga. Uh, I love that dad so much. <laughs> He's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, ultimately, it's just a game about like various evocative characters. Uh, mm. That are sketched very broadly because they all have like a f- couple quests, if if that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they're all extremely heightened. Yeah. I think there's a uh, there's a lot of hits. There's a couple duds. Uh, there's a bit there where are a it gets duds. there's a bit where it gets like hilariously end of history with the eco gang. <laughs> oh yes. Do you want to explain the eco gang? Yeah, so they're like protesting all the um, ecological violence, but in such a way where they're like doing it to be cool and then they like explain to you like you got to find the thing you care about but like that makes you cool because no one else cares about it and we're going to care about it so hard we're going to fix the world but we're not going to do anything it's just like the most obnoxious like ugh, environmentalists are all phonies uh joke yeah. I'm like ah damn 97 because the game's message is ultimately one of like uh connections with people will break us from like the modes of interaction suggested by technological uh, design. Uh, it should mm. be uh, agreeing with these people, but it's 97. So it's like, you know, yeah. it's very cool to do that at this time. Yeah. The, the one, the one that was a huge miss for me is there's a, there's a guy who's like with his wife and his, his infant child oh. uh, inside a big, like two, like a fireworks tube. Cause the King has tasked him to build a firework big enough. Cause the King's like, we got to try something. Maybe the moon's out because there's like a dome over the world to big, get a big firework big enough to burst through the dome. That's covering the earth, the world. Um, 
And so that's what he's trying to do. And you help him out or whatever, and you make the firework. And he's like, oh, it's a new idea for fireworks. This re like reinforces it, and you get some love. But if you come back like a week later, uh, he's still having trouble getting it together. You just overhear this outside the tube. And there's a bit where he's like, he gets mad, and he like slaps his wife. And then his wife's like, you just got to let it go. Stop being angry and like go back to work. And it's just like played as like, this is what it means to be a supportive wife to this guy. Um, me and me and your son believe in you. Um over some like you know very normalized domestic violence shit it's just like yeah damn sometimes it's all over the place it's like damn sid's in this game yeah um, um yeah there's and there's also like um the the, sh- the the pawn shop guy who's just ludicrously racist designed for no reason yes um so you know there, there, there's there's like points of friction here uh but then there's also like classic classic people um, yeah, the pawn shop guy's like a like a hookah like 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 Indian style character. Um, there's a there's like a guy on the island who's like you know very like stereotypical Japanese depictions of black people guy. Yep. Uh, that's also not great. Um, there's stuff like that around the edges, of course. Um, yeah, this is not like like this is definitely a game of its of its era, and it's like really plugged into like 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 the, the like pop called like dominant culture of japan of the era in a way that like most rpgs are not so like you get these things but also like there's like there's like a, a guy who sells records like you have this uh moon disc player that'll just play songs and you can buy a bunch of the mds from this record shop guy and they got like a different band to produce all like a like 30 different records or whatever um and each one has like cover art like of the era like they're just inc- they fucking look incredible like kk slider has nothing on this um in terms of like they just are a snapshot of where music and like culture were at in this way that's like really interesting and evocative it's like a throwaway thing you never have to engage with like there's no there's no like reward system for collecting all the records you don't have to like play different songs at different places like they do in mario odyssey or whatever right like um none of that this this is like the era when uh video games and music are um intertwined at both a technological and production like scale level where there's just fascinating shit happening right in the a lot of game developers off even the ones like owned by big companies are fairly small scale uh, because it's still just a playstation one um a lot of uh musicians are like experimenting more with uh uh, more wild synth stuff and synth is 80s but this is like more computer stuff right like in loops and mixing and the possibilities there with digital recording and like like there's not that much difference to between like this and how like the wipeout soundtracks are genuinely some of the best fucking uh uh like edm music from the late 90s uh yeah. just like these things coalesced these two industries overlapped in some specific way in a very uh small period of time uh where all this wild stuff was happening and then like you get into the 2000s and it's the games are too big music's changed it's gone yeah um but you just have like 30 incredible songs in this game yeah and they all like sound different like they reflect a very eclectic taste across a bunch of genres and uh the art is incredible the one i always think of is the 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 cover that's just two cars crashing yes (laughs) like that's that's music to me a fucking album cover of two cars crashing that's like like just has a color filter over it it's really good yeah uh, I bet most. I think most of the music in this episode is probably just going to be MD discs. So as it should, yeah. Because most of the game is actually like relatively silent. It's like birds chirping. That bit where you go down with a rainbow bridge, you hear the machine humming, and you get that one like burp burp sound every time. Yes. 
<laughs> um, and your character walking through spaces, and it's just like, uh, like a lot of the characters are voiced with like voice, like almost like Banjo Kazooie voice samples, but not like with every word. Just like they make they make noise. Some of the some of them speak like Japanese, but some of them just have noises that they make, and it's all like just an interesting soundscape. But it's not a ton of music until you like turn on the music and you just build a playlist and play it whenever you want. Some of them start collecting those. Some of them speak English. Some of them speak English. Like yeah. there are multiple voice samples from multiple languages, and the way they use all of them is seemingly like we have a few samples, and the samples are fairly short. And I don't know whether it's like manually done for every line or randomly on some other system, but like these samples are mashed up to like varying lengths uh, and made it like it turns real samples into Banjo Kazooie dialogue. It's really interesting. Yes, one of the one of the uh, better little bits of that is at one point. Um, so the hero's going around, and you kind of run into him every once in a while, and he's like a big menacing figure. But the hero um, doesn't know how to get to the moon, and so he just kind of gets stuck for a while and, like, takes up residence at the, at the like, restaurant that's, like, at the end of the map, basically. Yes. Um, and you go there, and you can go there every once in a while and buy a thing, and there's, like, a waitress who's there and a, a guy, and you can buy one food item a day because the guy's, like, very into the art of cooking. I can make one meal, and then I have to shut down the shop for the day. Come back tomorrow. Um but the, the hero's just here, like, being a dick to the point where the woman who works there quits. <laughs> she, like, quits and sets out shop right outside to do the thing she really wants to do, which is become an idol. So she has, like, a whole, like, almost like Lucy psychiatrist stand about supporting her burgeoning idol career. Um, and you can play a game with... You, you can give her a dress to help her out. You can play a game with her and she'll give you, like, a copy of her, like, demo single. And it's just like a, it's just like an in English pop song. And they just got like a, a, a girl to like, like a, a girl who's like visiting Japan to record it. Uh, it's super charming. And then like later you can, uh, you can have her like perform at the, the club in Technopolis or whatever. It's good. Yes. Um, I love that the game is like a, a contiguous world that you go through, but the minute you go to the high, high tech Technopolis place between every screen is like a loading screen. Almost like, um, I thought of, um, Grim Fandango every time. Yeah. So the two, the, I thought of Grim Fandango playing this whole game, um, <laughs> in that it's like an adventure game that's very long and intricate in yeah. how many things you're going back and forth between. Uh, mm. and then for, um, like for Technopolis, I'm like, this is the gold saucer. This is just the gold saucer. Oh, absolutely. It's also just the gold saucer. Um. But the way it pulls back to like a big, you see the big techno tower between every screen transition as it like loads is, was very like Grim Fandango to me. Yes. But because the, the rest of the game is mostly just contiguous, it like fades in, fades out, you know, normal stuff. Uh, but not that one. No. Right. Because mostly it's like, it is, because it is based on a, uh, like in universe 16-bit game it's doing like parodies of snes stuff so you have like the town laid out with um rec like you know straight lines that put like five houses which all sell one thing with their one entrance mm -hmm. uh, it is a snes town um but yeah by the time you get to tenopolis we, we are in like full-on playstation rpg territory uh 3d environments uh with pre-rendered backgrounds linked together by evocative like pre-rendered sequences to imply a much larger world than is actually here yeah um and it's cool that both those things are in the game yeah yeah the game itself sits in like this weird place where like your character in the world is invisible so you're given clothes that are like it's like a green coat and like a hat uh and like some gloves so you end up looking kind of like a weird rayman because you're just like an empty outfit walking around but like all of the dead monsters are like big claymation figures that have been scanned in and they animate like claymation figures and it's it, like the aesthetics are just incredible <laughs> but like when you get when you go into space you take like a pre-rendered like modeled ship into space 
the the aesthetics are amazing so you have basically three aesthetics uh and you have the cg backgrounds mm-hmm. you have um like really intricate sprite work based on hand-drawn designs um and then you have uh claymation super mario rpg inspired um monsters and stuff and these three aesthetics like sit on top of each other being very jarring but in an intentional coherent way uh and in this like you see this is where i'm like this is uh, uh not exactly but i could play 10 games that are trying to do this on itch.io any given day um it's uh it's really evocative and just it's strange how much like it looks both of its time but because it's not doing like it's not doing computer stuff of its time it still feels like very timeless it manages to be both at once in a way that i find really interesting yeah yeah um yeah that's i mean partially this is like the difference between you and me and that i really like adventure games and this is as much of an adventure game as it is like i mean the 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 thread between an, an rpg side quest and an adventure game is like thin right this is an adventure game this uh and when it comes to like games we've played is more similar to mist than it is any of the rpgs it's got a fishing mini game and there's a shop and i don't know i don't know how much i i think this distinction is one that people put on games that used to be fuzzier and i i think it's more distinct now but like you're right on some level but like you know the way in which like in final fantasy 2 you have to or even like morrowind you have to collect text to show to people to unlock dialogue options is not different than an adventure game fundamentally yeah i I think the difference is um and maybe this is true of rpgs as well that i just like look up guides and avoid it but like Mm -hmm. the 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 difference i would describe is less the modes of interaction and more the amount that the game needs you and is asking you to um sit in confusion and to not know what to do uh you're meant to i do think i do think rpgs have also gone away from this yes since this era but like it, you know the thing the, the rpg thing that is similar is when you're on the overworld map and you've done a level right and yeah. you you're like what the fuck do i go in? i guess i'll explore other bits of the map to see if there's another cave i can go into um yeah which is I, the thing i think of the thing i think of a lot is the um like the shumi village in pharmacy 8 which is just like there's some side quests there, but it never feels like it's, like, done. You don't do anything much with it. Like, you go there a couple of times, there's some stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, you're like, why is this here? It's because it's cool to have a village there. <laughs> like, the utility of those spaces was just different back then, right? Where nowadays, like, you know, they fucking got rid of towns because they weren't useful enough. That's so heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, um... It was it was very worth playing. I had a, I had a, a good and interesting time uh, for as much friction as there was. Um, I think of the charming game. I see why it's so influential. Yeah, I uh, really like. It made me want to play a bunch of like RPG Maker games, mm-hmm. which are not all like this, obviously. No. Um, but I just I'm like the thing with us is we play a lot. We play a lot of like Final Fantasies and uh, Dragon Quests, and like those are great, and I like them. Um, but there's other ideas of what an RPG can be that operate in the space. They just aren't games that get published on platform. Like they're not like official games that became like iconic franchises in the way that we, the games we talk about often are. Um, And I should go like dive into those spaces and see what's there. Mm -hmm. And that's on me to not like not doing that work, but that's always the eternal, like how, how do you even approach that space? There's so many things and you never know what's good or not. And just got to do it. 
Yes. Because it's like not a um, coherent hierarchy in the way where like RPG RPGs, because they are um, made primarily by big companies, you can find like lineages of, you know, you can yeah. play Final Fantasy and you can be like, oh, I like this one. I'll play the Saga game and see how this develops. Yeah. It's so much more rigid. Like I, I, if you're like, oh, well, I, what if these games were about like 800 characters and like a little more political? You're like, oh, you want Kaseki? That's right over here. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's all regimented and understood, and you can like follow yeah. them. And uh, the like experimental space is just you just have to like play. It's a big, you know, it's a big pit of video games, and they've been making them forever. Uh, and there's lots of influences, like lo- loads of like threads you can follow, but not in the segmented. This company works on this, and then this company does this uh, way of official production. You just have to play them yeah. and find out yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I should try to do that work a little more than I am. Mm-hmm. that's on me i'm not like even saying this is like a podcast edict i i should no, do that work no. on my own on time um it's just hard right it's very easy to load up things on game pass like digging through steam uh to find weird games that like you you know you can't trust the steam reviews um there's a couple people during curation that i'd listen to but like you know i like uh colin who does like the threads every sale but like Eventually, I will play the, the Friends of uh, Ringo, whatever. I don't remember the full title of that game. Is it Ishikawa? I'll play that. Yes, but I'm not gonna. That's not the one I'm gonna go to right now. Maybe we'll do that for this podcast someday. It's definitely been floating as an idea on like our short list. Yes. She
you would like to send us emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. We like emails about our, uh, even the games we're not covering, you can of course send them about our monthly game club. But if you just want to send general gaming questions, happy to get them. Um, we have a bunch of questions along both lines today. Uh, first off, uh, from Jacob, uh, what kind of food would you want depicted in what video game aesthetic? Ooh. What kind of food? In what aesthetic? Yeah. idea i i, I don't I think, know i think i think i think what i'd want is like a a cooking game um that doesn't have any gimmick around like the controls i just want like a like it could be like a cooking mama ass cooking game but i want it in the keita takahashi aesthetic yeah you know what let's go that rules yeah can i get diner dash but in the aesthetic of final fantasy 15 <laughs> that's also pretty good i mean the aesthetic of final fantasy 15 is like all food <laughs> yeah um, and what video game would be ruined by the inclusion of characters eating food? Uh, Silent Hill 2. Oh, you mind if James just stopped off for a hot dog? Yeah, James is like, man, I love chili dogs, like Sonic the Hedgehog. What if, what if, um, what if Pyramid Head was like, he just had a giant pizza for a head? That's the pyramid. That's Pyramid's the pyramid? Pizza. Yeah. Okay. In America, in Japan, it's like a rice ball. It's like a nanny Gary head. <laughs> oh, I love these donuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, Zach writes in, um, your conversation about if games could be made into uh, good, like different media, got me thinking. I initially wanted to yell, you have to play and talk about Pathologic 2, but then I, I thought about it more and I don't think it'll change your mind. Um, writing's top notch, uh, but, and, you know, it does a lot of, it goes on to talk about Pathologic 2 and why it's interesting. Um, I, I just want to say I can 100% guarantee I know exactly what I think about Pathologic 2 and it would be primarily about it as like a spatial navigation time pressure game. Um, and yes, I would have that, way that's more true to... for you. I, <laughs> yes. I played, I've played, let's say about three hours of Pathologic 2. Um, the things I liked is the ways in which it emulated like stage production. Yes. Um, you can go back to our episode on Kentucky Route Zero for me demanding the games do this more. And I think that's around when I played a little bit of Pathologic 2. Um, I found all of the like time pressure stuff uh awful and that's why i stopped playing it i mean that, <laughs> that is have a good time on that that's front. the point of that that's like you know i like dead rising and i and i am um, i like those kind of time pressure games like even in moon i was like oh i you know let's 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 really get into the efficiency of a time pressure game but moon doesn't really do that it's not really about that no um, no you're just going do 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 yeah um whereas um pathologic is about how do we turn slow walking around a town into like a efficiency gameplay loop just to make you constantly anxious about losing time whenever you're just trying to explore a space yes pathologic is not is the horror stuff is not to my sensibilities but the like game design stuff seems like it would be yeah uh either way we're never gonna do pathologic 2 you wouldn't want that episode because you'd be frustrated that all we did was talk about the mechanics for an hour so true because that's just kind of what we do here i'm sorry it's just uh we we have one hole and we're never leaving it yep um modern right said i started playing halo infinite because i had game pass i got to the part where i had to mark waypoints on a world map and gave up <laughs> uh i don't have much else to say about the game but it's funny how they have the whole opening cutscene building up to a bad guy who beats shot master chief um then they kill that guy and replace him with a similar bad guy 
I didn't know this. Yeah, the, the apparently Atriox is alive at the start of the game, and then the other brute comes in. I don't fucking know. I don't care about okay. the banished. Who are these? Halo. What's going on over there? What's What's the funniest, most sudden uh, a game has ever introduced something cool, only to walk it back for you? Oh, oh, this is a good question. I, I, I in in tragically, I am answering it and forget everything I ever know whenever I ask a question. But I'm like, I have to have an answer for this. I think the one that I think of the most, and it's not that they, it's it's not just the end of the game, which should have been introduced at the beginning, is in Bionic Commando 2009, all the other guys also have, like, dad legs and husband, like, guns. and Wait, like, really? Yes. <laughs> like, everyone else has someone else who's bonded in their biomechanical, uh, like, prosthetics. And that should have been the game. The game should have been about Metal Gear Weirdos, and it just isn't. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Like, because I knew I knew your your you had arm wife. I knew all about arm yeah. wife, but I didn't know that everyone else had like, oh, my uh, jumping legs are also my son. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of that. <laughs> Fucking incredible. It's all revealed like towards the end, um, and that sucks. It should be the this should be the foundational part of the video game. God, that's so funny. Um, oh, what would I pick with this? This is such a good question. I'm like going through games in my head trying to uh think of a good answer like all i can think of is like you know how you think that there's going to be levels in mgs4 and then there aren't no there really aren't um that's that's a series known for it has a million mechanics and you can't actually use them because they made six rooms in every video game Oh, remember you go back to Shadow Moses, you're like, are we going to do this whole thing? No, you're not. You're no, going to be there for about 10 you're minutes. You're going to be there for 10 minutes. You're going to go a different way. You're going to fight robots. And I, and I understand, like, oh, it's different. And, like, all oh, the soul is gone because now you're fighting robots. It's, like, meta intentional. But I would really like to play some fucking Metal Gear in this Metal Gear video game. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of games that end like that. But there, there's some games that go the other way uh, in that they have to have for 30 minutes at the end. It's the greatest thing in the video game, but they, it was the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um. I always think of Inside. The last 30 minutes of Inside, or even less than that, just amazing last stretch. Yeah, but if the game was just that all the it time, work. it wouldn't be good. You know, yeah, I played Carrion. Carrion is the best to say. <laughs> uh, you can, you know, play Carrion right now. Um, our next email is from Joey. Uh, I didn't finish Moon. I played the equivalent of the first full day you have in the game's logic. As soon as I fell over and died because I didn't properly save, uh, I didn't, I stopped playing. Um, some time ago, in the run-up to this new release of Moon, I read the contents of an old thread about the game on Gaff uh, from way before the Exodus, whatever, um, and it was way before the localization. So it was just someone laying out what the game was about, how it worked, its mechanics, how they felt about it, and all that stuff. Uh, Joey goes on to say, Moon was kind of the final nail in the coffin for me playing games the way I used to, not the early 20s kid who could line up for a PS4 at launch or get painted into a mural for Sony's E3 marketing. Wait, What? Please, please write back and talk to me about this, because I want to know about you getting painted into a mural for Sony Z3 marketing. Please, Joey, please. A mural? Yeah, a mural. What? Like, as if they painted a mural of, like, PS... Like, they're like, oh, here's our true fans, and Joey was one of the people they used. Graffiti artist paints Players No Limits mural? This is nice, this is too recent. I'm looking for... It just says Sony's E3 marketing. I don't know when it was from. Sony's E3 PlayStation mural. I, d- I don't. I can't. F- I can find like gaming. No, no, no. We'll just we'll just have Joey uh, write it back in. Um, the way my life is, I can't give myself over to the S-Tech workings of a game like Moon uh, when I could just read or watch a feature on the game or listen to game podcasts. Uh, that said, I do miss it. 
Uh, I guess my question is, now that you do this for a living, is there any game in recent times that you would like to just follow the conversation because you just couldn't play it? Couldn't be bothered. Uh, every game. <laughs> um, the thing here is, like, games that I would want to have played but then didn't because of this. Yeah, there, there are a lot of games that, like, yeah, there are many games where I was, like, interested and then, like, the conversation becomes too loud because of the places I'm in and... I say too. That's not. That's not what I'm. That's not what we're asking here. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, that that is like an answer, right? Like you can. If you want to answer it, that's fine. But like, the actual answer is like, oh, like this game seems cool, but I don't have. I don't have a hundred hours in me. I have. I have ten, and yeah. th thus I can't play this game. I mean, that's like Final Fantasy XIV for both of us. Uh, even though it, we've both made um, different attempts to like knock into it, we don't have the yeah. three hundred hours required to play all the expansions. We just don't have that. That's true. Um. Breath of the Wild, like, almost is that. Like, I, I never finished that game just because I ran out of, I just ran out of energy for it. Mm. Love it to pieces. Played for, like, 110 hours. I just never... I've never personally... I've watched on YouTube. I've never personally beat Ganon. doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, uh, and this, that just happens sometimes. The thing for me is, like... I, this used to be more true, and these days I try to make the effort. If I care about a game, even if it's a couple years late, I got Final Fantasy 15 this year. You know, that was yeah. a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. Ended up really fucking loving it. That was an even better deal for me. Um, I acted, I gave Persona 5 a chance. I just kind of, I was like, this is, I mean, this, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't find my time miserable. I'm just like, this is a Persona game. I, again, I don't value the Persona, what I get out of Persona um, enough to want to spend a hundred hours in that. So I didn't, I just let it go and I'll probably never go back. Atelier Ryza, that I want to go back to. I spent about as much time in Atelier Ryza. I had a pretty good time. It's like, much there's like less there but like what is there is like so the promise to me is like so like potentially interesting like characters i'm going to hold on to for another two games and stuff like that um that i like unlike the persona characters who like some of them i like but despite the best efforts of the persona team to make characters that are bad sometimes um but it's like it's hard the, it's hard though right like, the ones for me are like you know when there's a game that has a lot of conversation i'll be like often intentionally just not play it yeah. Uh, and you know i played undertale in 2018 like late 2018 um three years after it came out when everyone shut up about it uh, i played I'm, that like the week it came out because i was like if i don't do it now i'll never do it those so are the only two options because like <laughs> yeah. a week later delta rune came out and then it all that's why, that's why i played near automata because i'm like i have to play this right now or i will never touch this that happened to me as well 2018 was when i played near um yeah. i like late 2018 because everyone uh really hyped that one up to high heaven and then i ended up not liking it <laughs> at all um but i played both nears at that time that's still the thing that people get the most annoyed at me about from was like a contrarian opinion i guess um near one's just better near one is just a better video game it's got characters i feel I like, like less intense about either end of that than you do but like yeah near one's just better near automata's boring uh mostly because i think platinum combat doesn't hold up for 30 hours it holds up for maybe eight if you're lucky this is the thing that like i ended up not replaying and making it like it was like i could do another recording i could try to like get people in and do a podcast about it but i end up not uh but i do feel very passionately about like when the near remake came out there were loads of people saying that um oh now they finally fixed the combat in near one and it was good before mm. it was good before uh i love the rhythm of those old boss fights it didn't need to be all like moving about in fact like the fact that you weren't moving as much meant positioning mattered uh i don't need the combat to all be flashy in every game i play um it's my 
uh, note to uh, every uh, action RPG is stop moving my character so much. Positioning is meant to be part of the video game. They're all ignoring me. <laughs> the one, uh, so I live with my brother and Destiny, who's on Reptile Screenings, um, and they're both back into Animal Crossing with the new update. Um, that's a game where, like, the new update put Happy Home Designer, which is the best Animal Crossing, into uh, New Horizons. Um, they put gyrates in. They add. They did the things I asked for. I would love to go back to that, but I don't want to do the part where that's like a game where you have to like still build shovels. Uh, they didn't take out the part where the crafting's miserable and terrible. Um, and so I don't. And and but that's also partially because like I have other games I I can because if I play that, put like another thirty hours in Animal Crossing. That's time that like I can spend. I'd enjoy myself, but I can't get this stuff out of it. Right? There's no content to be had out of. It. I liked building a house for a, a koala. I think it's fun to do. Um, that's just true about me as a person. Um, and so I didn't. Um, I just did the math and I was like, nah, I'll catch you next time Animal Crossing. Maybe you'll take the crafting out next time. And if you don't, I won't bother. Um, and that's just it. Animal Crossing and me might have parted ways. And that's that's fucking depressing. But that's like a different topic. Um, some games like Monster Hunter came out. I really was like, oh, I could go for some Monster Hunter, especially now it's portable. Because one of my problems with the world was world was on a PS4. I didn't want to load up my PlayStation to play a game that I mostly played like the one I did play in bed. Um, but then I just didn't have time, you know? So I didn't. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you just do the math. You're like, this doesn't work out. So I'm not, I'm not even going to waste $60 to like play six hours of this and never touch it again. I just know myself enough to not spend that money. Yes. Um, uh, and, uh, those, those going by, it doesn't like sting. Cause I'm interested in a bunch of like, you know, gaming is it's weird. Cause like as someone who like play has played hundreds, if not thousands of games does this podcast, I still like video games. I don't like care about them that much in the way that like you know um i, I don't get worked up about the, the video games as much anymore um just doesn't mean as much to me and that's fine like i don't think that's bad in fact because it, it gives me a space where if i don't want, if i'm like too tired to watch a movie or i don't want to think about like x or y i could just load up a game and like dick around for half an hour and be fine with it um and that's a good that's a good thing to have in your life. Uh, I don't need to turn that into the thing I'm like ride or die about anymore. It would actually make it worse for me as a part of my life. Yes. Um, so I don't know. Fair enough. Next question uh, from Hilver. What would you say the most generous game is? Any definition of generous is accepted. The most generous game. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Um, I think my answer would almost have to be if you bought Minecraft before the split in the two features. Game's still in development, still coming out with crazy stuff. You get both versions. Um, if you had bought it back in the Java like era, um, still cool. I guess that's true. Um, most generous game. I'm trying to think of a version that isn't just like an old game where they where they keep updating. Um, like you could say No Man's Sky, right? But we don't like all the things they added. Yeah, no. But if No Man's Sky had a version choice option, like you could pick which version of No Man's Sky you wanted to play when you booted it up, I would, I would say that that's a good answer. But um, I don't know why they don't in include that. Why can't you just boot up original No Man's Sky? Because the game's trying to funnel everyone into like a multiplayer mode. Fuck that. I don't want to play multiplayer. The worlds are contiguous. There is an online component that is like a part of... Yeah, I'm not defending it! <laughs> um, uh, it's hard not to just, like, have this mean good. Because um, I could I could say, like, ooh, out of, out of wilds, and I can make some justification about how it's just... It's really generous because it's so good. 
Um, no, I, I, that's not the thing here. Just what it gives you, you know? I don't know. I think that there's, I think this answer is very separate from good to me, but I guess it's kind of on the person. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like Another... all the meanings of generous of like how much do you do you give to the player and like tr- trust them, I guess. Um... Yeah, any game with built-in cheat modes, generous. I like it's becoming more um, like readily available, but more games should do that. If I can, if I can just get to a hard part of a video game and just turn on, you can't die right now mode, or I can jump twice as high, or I can move twice as fast, or whatever you need to get through the bit and then turn it back off when I'm done. Love it. Please put that in every fucking video game. I swear to God. What are we doing here? I would also like that. It'd be nice. Yeah. Um, backup question. What game is most respectful of your time? Most respectful of my time. Most respectful. Yeah. Um. 30 Flights of Loving. I mean that's the actual that's, that's just the correct answer. There's, there's, <laughs> on some level, there's nothing like it's one of the greatest games ever made. It's 20 minutes long. Um, it it does stuff that still video games refuse to do. I would say WarioWare is on this list for me. WarioWare's pretty good at that. Just... WarioWare gives you things to waste your time in, but like never lies about what that is. It's not like oh maybe if you played this jump rope game to like and got your score to 9,000, it'd give you something. No, it's just here. It's got a high score. You can mess with it if you want. We don't care. It's Warrior. I, I have an answer to this that is only that isn't true. Um, okay. Uh, but it would be true if you took out the cutscenes. Um, okay. In which case, I, I would say Kill at Seven because I think it like it's like playing Resident Evil on five times speed. It's so fast. That, yeah, that's fair. Um, and that's like the thing I love about the game. And then like you know you'd stop every ten seconds to have which you know they're great. I, I'm not saying take them out from Kill at Seven and be a different game. Uh, yeah. But. When I'm talking about how I love Killer Seven, I'm talking about how I love playing Resident Evil on five times speed. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Eric writes in: uh, Did you find having a theme for this year was helpful in your analysis of the games? No, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I, I, I don't think the episodes would have been any different. It was helpful in that it gave me an excuse to play some more RPGs. <laughs> yeah, uh, so which that's is really what we used it for. Yeah, which is why we did it. But like, it, I don't think it changed. I, and I think you could like argue that this is a critique of us but i think we've been doing this long enough that i know exactly what most of the episodes are going to be before we do them it's just i think i think i think this is a fit this is on us to not use that as an excuse not to do things in what increasingly. sense in that just because we know that doesn't mean that the audience doesn't want those episodes yeah. or has the same idea of what things are going to take the shape of yeah, i'm not i'm not critiquing it i'm not saying in the other i'm saying i'm trying to allow myself to like let it be fine to be like a kind of comfortable critic <laughs> I don't have yes. to be fucking changing the world. People come to the things we do for the viewpoint well, we have, and then we focus that viewpoint on like certain yeah. things. Not only is it us being comfortable as a, it's also we've got like married couples disease about this, right? Or we've just been doing like if you were yeah. doing this exact same podcast but with Molly, uh, it would be like you wouldn't know, and it'd be fucking wild, and it, like that have its own energy, but also it could be exhausting when you don't like align on stuff. Like you and me, we can talk through any disagreements. We know it's just gonna. And Molly's a friend, like whatever. We would have like it would work, but it'd be different, right? It just have a different energy that required more investment than like we come into this, we know what we're gonna do, and we do it. Yes, um, we we do mostly like re- like uh, the problem is we agree too much, but it does also make the podcast really easy to do. Yeah, we just come in and say, yeah, no, I mean, it's like this and this and this, and we have like different viewpoints. Uh, and slightly different tastes, but it's not, it doesn't, you know, it's not fundamental disagreements about video games in the way that some critics can have. We have been doing this too long in the same way. 
Also, I just don't like fighting with people. I don't like if you disagree on something, we just disagree on something. What what's the like what's the fight gonna solve? I try not I'm trying desperately to get into fights over media less in uh in, in not only this year, but next year, I guess. Uh yeah, I mean that I understand. Um Um Did you ever get bored with talking about slash playing a single genre so often? No. I love RPGs. <laughs> no, I love, uh uh I got bored with talking about slash playing Tokyo RPG Factory. <laughs> oh that one was fucking i like that one because um that episode's fun love to have dion but it also just like extremely just was dem demonstrative of you know we might talk shit about fantasy 9 in our nine episode or whatever, oh god but, like, yeah. we play we play good games we don't we we actively try to choose games that are in, look interesting seem like we're gonna have something to talk about um we pick very few bad games for the 124 episodes we've done when, when just people... so happy we pick three of them at once when on people... that one people get annoyed at me because i'm like oh near and amata sucks uh and i'm having this opinion i'm having that opinion because it is like a game made by someone who i think is kind of a hack who makes decisions i disagree with but that is not the fucking tokyo rpg factory games do not raise my ire enough to get that they're just fucking boring they're um, just bad and boring because on, yeah. like, on some level you have to do the like the thing where you recognize that disagreeing with a work is its own valuable thing and the tokyo rpg factory games cannot even raise this they cannot hit that bar yeah, yeah. uh would you do, do another year of genre i would love to yeah i like it i like it as a like, like i said i don't think it like makes it i don't think we come into it with the idea of a coherent um no, the actual thing it doesn't makes choosing games way faster. It makes choosing games choosing way game faster. Because choosing games takes forever. I was also meant to like just broaden my RPG scope and not because I mean it's still going to yeah. be I'm going to say Final Fantasy in every RPG discussion ever. Uh, but I want a little more of a wider palette uh, yep. for the uh, game yeah. to talk about. I would love to do a year of adventure games. Jackson's never going to agree to this, but I'd love to do it. Um, you don't know. I'd agree to that. All right. Can't, we already know what our next month is, so we can't start it next year. But 2024. You could or, argue, sorry, 2023. You could argue that next month is an adventure game. I wouldn't. It has way too many numbers. That's true. But it has I'm, so many numbers. I'm saying it has so many fucking numbers. I'm saying someone could make that argument. Yeah, I won't. But I'm not. I'm not. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, would you want to repeat a year of the JRPG? Absolutely. Um, the actual problem becomes now is uh, with my new job, I'm genuinely too busy to do this. Again. We didn't plan so. to do Moon because it's not a fucking RPG. Like it. Yeah, works. we were we were originally going to do Etrian Odyssey uh, three, three three is what we settled on. But um, and then I was like, I don't have I don't have fifty hours. I don't know where I'd find it. I yeah. I literally would have to like not sleep and uh, stop watching movies and like other things in my life um, to do it, and I didn't want to, so we didn't. Um, like it was, I'm glad we did it. It was a good selection, but like we had to do something to fit into a, you know, under 15 hour slot for the RPG this month. Uh, yeah, we don't have. I, I played time. a quarter of Moon on my lunch breaks at work. That's how where I was fitting it into my life. Yes, um, and that's just like the, you know, while you have this job in this way, uh, we probably won't be getting the year of JRPGs again anytime soon. But that's not for lack of you know. There's a version of this podcast where we do. Uh, give ourselves over to just enjoying ourselves and we just play the thing we want to which is mostly just going back and playing rpgs we redo final fantasy 4 we redo final fantasy 8 we play the video, video games um finally that... a final fantasy 5 episode finally yes exactly um and we just don't like yes it is not lack of desire to play rpgs that is stopping us from doing more jrpgs it's just circumstance they're hard games to fit in we want to yeah, watch too many movies um, around the edge. We, we want to do other things. There was, there was, there was another uh, like 
there was another point in time where the December game was going to be Suikoden 2, and then I just decided I didn't want to play Suikoden 2. Like, you know. We'll never find out um, if Suikoden actually becomes genius or not. I kind of, I kind of bet I'd like Suikoden two less than Suikoden is what my gut tells me. Because when I think about Suikoden one, I kind of charmingly think back on all those goofy dits, idiots, and like the fake Zex who's in charge of everything. Yes, <laughs> dumb game. Um, Adam writes in: Do y'all get any benefits from using digital CRT filters and emulating old games compared to playing on an actual CRT screen? Well, not compared Just to an actual CRT screen, but compared yeah. to playing on a raw-ass LCD, yes. Yeah. Uh, the actual thing is like, well, yeah, you know, if you if you have access to a, a CRT, you should play it on CRT. You should play your games on CRT because it just does all the work for you. <laughs> yes. Um, and making it look right. Um, there There is a transformative element to the way pixels were drawn on a CRT screen that changes the image and makes it look different for games that were designed around that. Um, CRT filters cannot do the most important thing which is the the parallax scrolling and like scrolling is just clear there is no pixel blur it doesn't happen yeah. on a crt um yeah. and even though i love a good filter because it will like uh take out the rough edge of the image and like uh composite composite the wrong word but like all the all the dithering ends up dithering. as nice shading yeah like it, it still looks good but it is fundamentally a different aesthetic from the from what a crt brings yeah um once again, I, I, I ask anyone, if you don't already know why you would want a, a CRT filter or to play on a CRT, don't find out. Live free. Don't find out, yeah. God, live free. It's fine. Just play the video game, you know. Yeah. Don't I, be like us. Please don't be like us. Do as we say and as we do. Um, Adrian writes, and I played this game last year when it came out on Switch, the game club of five people. We had a great time picking through it. Uh, delightful way to work through the more obtuse parts of a game with a group. The, this is the part where I was like, I bet this game's similar to Myst in that I can see it being the same, like, everyone gathers around and says, do this type of game. Yeah. Um, one, who is your favorite character or character quest? Uh, Adrian picked the, the guard who uh, dances all night and the uh, getting Chris to perform on stage in Technopolis and the baker, which, you know, I already talked about. Baker was cool. Um, I do like I do like the dancing guard. He's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, oh, the robot uh, who like discovered like the the techno girl who discovers she's a robot. Oh, the one who discovers she's a robot powered by dance. Yes, she's a robot powered by dance. And like she's like, I'm not a robot. I'm not powered. And then eventually learns like, you know, oh, I mean, I guess she is. She is a robot powered by dance. But she, the thing she learns is that everyone, you know, exists and requires energy as a metaphor. It's just being a person. It's the good. one I, I I think it might be the bit I laughed at the most in the game is the weird fortune teller guy you meet. Um, who you play a bunch of games with whatever and he brings out the like god he worships and it's a ghost that you're trying to catch right yeah it's like a big star man and you catch the ghost and it gets taken away and he goes god went back god went back to heaven i'm god now <laughs> yes <laughs> just a perfect ending to his dumb bullshit uh his whole line because he's got all the really fucking annoying mini games oh they're really bad <laughs> and i'm like okay I will know. And I'm like, okay, so this one I have to pay attention to the uh, ellipses. But then you see one, you don't know the first time exactly what you're having to pay attention to. Yeah. So you look so at you the have to thing. do the whole fucking thing again. I, I, um, I nailed, I nailed the audio one. Like I'm getting the like speech right. Uh, oh, nailed yeah. that one. I bet. Um, but then it was it was the first. The, fa the faces one was the one I did really well on. Yes, I, I did that okay on that one. I tried a couple times, but like the it was the text one that really was like, oh god. Yeah. 
Uh, least favorite character quest. Uh, Adrian echoes me with its fireworks maker. I hate that guy. He yes. fucking sucks. I mean, those ones are so like, uh, you know, we talked about the, that one and then the Echo Gang and all the stuff where when it's bad, it's bad in a very obvious, disappointing way. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I kind of just switched around a lot, but is there any music that was always in your playlist? That was the third question here. No, I just kind of like pressed the R1 button a lot and missed around. Okay. Yeah, Probably didn't play in music as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I did enjoy like the sounds of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't like, there's another world in which I like start listening to podcasts as I'm going through the things. I didn't end up doing that. No. I originally did, um, but then I just ended up not. I was like, no, I, I kind of like the music and the vibes. So I went back just listening to it. Mm-hmm. Nolligan writes in uh, most of this email is about the Eco Club, which we've already touched on. Uh, but the follow up question if you were an animal slain by the hero, what would someone need to do to catch your spirit? Oh, that's a good question. Something to be the puzzle. Um, I mean, I'm definitely waking up at weird times, right? Like, I'm. Yeah. You just time limited. Someone need to to, to talk into a microphone to someone. One of us. Um, if I smell if I smell cooking eggs, I will appear. I think that's <laughs> just fucking love eggs. Damn, you do. That's so true. Yeah. Uh do you have anything, or do you want me to move on? Oh, I meant like time limited about the like bad sleep stuff. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, All right. Rick writes in with our final email. Game Driver came up during the last normal mapping. Reminded me, I got a driver and a PS1 for Christmas. It was the only PS1 game I had. And it opens with you in a garage, and you have to prove that you can drive really well to play the campaign. Could not beat the driving test, and no one in my extended family could either beat the driving test when they tried. So we spent the whole time playing all the goofy modes like survival. And to this day, I've never played past the garage in the Game Driver. Do you have any games where, for whatever reason, you played a lot of the game, but it was never the main campaign? Um, this test is notorious. I found out years later. It was kind of nice learning. Everyone thought it was bullshit. That's literally the only thing I know about drivers. Everyone fucking hates that test. Yeah, no. I, I have uh, watched some mini-me videos in my time. <laughs> yeah, even before that, like that's literally the only reason I knew what driver was, is it's a game with a fucking test everyone hates. Um, I feel like that's most experience, people's experience with uh, Monkey Ball. They played a lot of Monkey Target and Monkey Bowl and maybe not as much Monkey Ball. Mm-hmm. I think Monkey Ball itself is fucking rules, but I get it because they were party games on uh, GameCube, which everyone, you know, played with people. Yeah, I mean, this is like how I am. I mean, it's not as, as much of a uh, barrier, but it was how I never had a DS uh, or a um, uh, Game Boy. So when I played uh, WarioWare, I was playing the uh, form baton fucking Ooh. multiplayer mode Ooh. on the Wii version. <laughs> it's fine. It's a fine game, but it's not WarioWare. I had a great... Yeah, I remember it very fondly, but like... Um, that's just you, I say that and I know it's gonna hit like you. Oh, you're gonna feel wrong. Yeah. Uh, anyway, again, if you want to send emails, you can send them to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Next month, our game club is the King of Dragon Pass, uh, which is a classic PC game. Um, I want to get it. I did not actually pull this up. King of Dragon Pass is a 1999 strategy simulation game uh, published by A-Sharp, um, developed by HeroCraft. You can get this now 
on Steam or your mobile device. It's on Android and iOS. I'm going to be playing it on my uh, phone. Uh, it works fine there. I've already played a bit of it. Um, it has a very, it's a very like well-regarded port of that game. It's also, like I said, available uh, on PC and it, you know, it runs and it's been fixed up to work on modern systems, I think. And so um, pick your poison. As of this writing, I don't know if this is going to be true when this comes out. Oh, no, January 5th. Uh, it is available on Steam for $3.95, $59, sorry, $3.59 in, uh, at least in America. But, you yeah. know, equivalent of under $4. So, um, easy to get a hold of. Uh, we'll probably, that, that is a game in which you, you know, you're keeping a small kingdom alive, trying to for 10 years. Uh, so, we'll probably play a couple games each. We'll see how it goes. But uh, there will be, uh, it'll be a little different than our usual game, because this is different than our usual game. <laughs> Uh, I'm quite excited. A lot of numbers. I play. I played. I played like five years worth, and I'm like, man, this game's got a lot going on. Uh, yeah. It. You know, we've been recommended this for ages. Yeah, shout out to Austin, uh, who has pushed this game for years before we were friends. While we were friends, um, always pushing King of Dragon Pass. Yeah. Um, so that'll be our next game club. Um, we still don't know if next year's a theme year. We have like an idea that it might be, but we'll see how that works out. We'll find out by next month. <laughs> yep. Uh, either way, it's King of Dragon Pass, so it doesn't really... Yeah, yeah. either way, our next game is King of Dragon Pass. Ask yourself, what could the theme possibly be? And if you say strategy games, no, it's not. Don't ever ask for that. <laughs> you don't want... You don't, what, I can't imagine a strategy game person be like, you know what I want? I want... Abnormal uh, mapping shit on my favorite genre for an entire year. To, like... <laughs> bash their head into strategy games and eventually be like this one's okay but still clearly not understand them in the same yeah, way by the <laughs> end of it just like ready to do anything for a jump button i'll play fucking any game you got as long as you can jump in it in the same way like we'd be annoyed if like um you know shooter guys play jrpgs all day and we're like why you know why is this combat turn based oh you mean you mean when anybody talks about mario on earth that isn't me or you <laughs> yes uh, let's be real really just you i just don't talk about mario <laughs> yeah but your opinions are not offensive to me Sure, but um, everyone talks about Mario sixty four like it's not the greatest game ever made, and they're just wrong. They're just fucking wrong. There's a thread going around. It was on Era, which is so already bad. But um, it was a thread that was like, "What is the uh, greatest holy shit moment for like next gen graphics in history?" And oh, I see the bottom of Mario's shoe. <laughs> I I legitimately that's that's my answer. I was like, "Holy shit!" I've never. Oh my god, video games. I, I was going to say, like, I obviously wasn't there, but I don't know. Just look, just from my own experience looking through the history of video games, how it could be anything other than seeing Mario sixty four for the first time. Like the world yeah. changed around you in that one moment. Yeah. The only the only people who get to say that it wasn't that are the people who had like three D accelerated like PC games and were already playing games in three D. Yes, but like Metal Gear Solid two was on that list because it looks so much better than PS one games. And it's not that's not the same thing not, as holy fuck Mario's in 3d yeah just an elemental gap that can it can't happen again you cannot unless, every every gamer of the era learned what a z-axis was really fucking fast yes they really did yeah um anyway that's it thanks everybody for supporting us through the year and into the next we will keep going you know eight years going strong we're gonna go for another 18 at least right yeah absolutely uh, that's just yeah. This is just our job now. So look forward to Why this. Why would we stop now? <laughs> yep. Megatokyo so is still games. going. They just, they just keep putting them out. Uh, will they put out more than twelve games a year by the time we finish this podcast? <laughs> Probably not. They didn't put out twelve games last year. This year, even. Yeah. 
um plugs jackson headfuls off at twitter.com you can find me there you can find the podcast that me and m do uh that stop us from playing rpgs at abnormalmapping.com they're pretty good we've been watching movies watch the movies go listen to Raftery screenings yeah uh you can find me on twitter at em underscore being you would support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash normal mapping for one dollar a month you get the great gundam project where every week we talk about gundam right now we're watching gundam seed we're also watching voltez 5 as our backup show it's been pretty good uh please check that out five dollars to do blockbusters where we sit down and talk through like a big popular movie and break down what it's about what it's doing uh we recently put out an episode on uh, miss congeniality our next episode is going to be on the last samurai i'm really excited to revisit that I haven't seen it since it was in theaters um for ten dollars you get voip life which is me and jackson just goofing off uh for an hour usually um often there's video game talk there a lot of it's been movies lately but we're about to have a discussion about what we're going to do next year as soon as we record that um it should be out the same day this is i think yeah this, this will these will hit on the 31st so um if you subscribe to that and you've listened to this one first look forward to us deciding what we're going to do next year uh we don't know we <laughs> we actually we actually just need a yes or no one if we're going to do the theme or not if we if we go no we don't actually know what we're doing next year but if That's we true. know yeah if we go yes we do know what we're doing next year and all will be talked about on that episode um but this it doesn't is way matter. too built up for a feature that is fundamentally we're lazy and can't make up our minds yeah, <laughs> no, no, um but we will be talking about our new year's resolution so that'll be fun oh. everyone loves that jackson hates it that's why it's funny to me um <laughs> Tell your friends, of course. You can go to thebestgame.club, uh, listen to this. We have multiple game clubs on our network. You can go to Journal Updated. You can find them at the thesecondbestgame.club uh, if you want to listen to their uh, episodes. If you go to readinggames.online, you find Novel Not New, a visual uh, novel book club that uh, comes out every month. If you go to the Games Covered page on any of those websites, you will find a whole gallery of everything we've ever covered. Uh, please tell your friends. Check it out. You can hang out in our Discord. Um, you know? The link's on the website. It's on the website. It is at that. That's everything. Thank you, everybody, once again, for making 2021 a whole goddamn year. Oh, boy, was it.